Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Siju. Coming up, former U.S. President Donald Trump has appeared in court in New York for the start of a civil fraud trial. Foreign ministers from European Union countries have met in Kiev to renew support for Ukraine, and Malaysia has become one of the most popular destinations for Chinese tourists during the ongoing Mid Autumn Festival and National Day holiday. We begin in North America. Prosecutors and defenders in the United States have made their initial statements in a civil fraud trial focused on the activities of former President Donald Trump and his businesses. Trump, who appeared in the New York court at the start of the trial, is accused of inflating his assets and net worth from 2011 to 2021 to obtain favorable bank loans and lower insurance premiums. New York Attorney General Letitia James says the former president has engaged in persistent and repeated fraud for years. Trump has denied the allegations. William Densler reports from outside the court in New York. The prosecution alleging that Donald Trump、uh, and the Trump Organization repeatedly, over a number of years, inflated、uh, the value of Donald Trump's assets for favorable terms. Uh, from lenders, they also used an example that Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former lawyer, was asked to inflate his assets. When it came to Donald Trump's defense team to pre- present their opening statements, they refuted、uh, Michael Cohen's claim, saying that he is a serial liar. There was also a little bit of uh, spicy uh, rhetoric from Donald Trump. He was unhappy that this is a case that's just being presided over by a judge. There is no jury. I was going to come out and say that. As you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So,、uh, I think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury. Just before this trial began in earnest, the judge made a key determination, finding that Donald Trump was liable. For fraud, but there are six key other issues that need to be resolved. Prosecutors have alleged that Donald Trump committed conspiracy, falsifying business records, and insurance fraud. Donald Trump says that this is a witch hunt, and he says that this is another example of the Department of Justice being weaponized to thwart and hamper his efforts to win the presidency. That's William Densler on Donald Trump's court appearance in New York. Turning to Europe. The European Union is divided among members over support for Ukraine. Foreign ministers from Hungary, Poland, and Latvia were reportedly absent from a meeting in Kiev to discuss aid and Ukraine's possible EU membership. Megumi Lim reports from Kiev. Diplomats from all 27 EU member states gathered in Kiev on Monday to discuss ongoing support for Ukraine as the conflict with Russia enters its 20th month. In the meetings, the EU proposed a military aid package worth 5.3 billion dollars next year. The EU's top diplomat Josep Borrell also announced plans to train 40,000 Ukrainian troops, including the training of fighter jet pilots. Ukraine's process of joining the bloc was also discussed. EU diplomats said to allow a country the size of Ukraine into the bloc would require a huge increase in budget and would be one of the biggest challenges for EU accession. 
The meetings come as Kyiv has struggled to make significant gains in its counteroffensive, but is hoping to shore up more support from allies for continued military aid. That's Megumi Lim reporting. In South America, Argentina and Ecuador will hold general elections this month to decide who their next leaders will be. Dan Collins has more on what's at stake in the South American countries. Two Latin American nations facing critical economic situations go to the polls this month. Voters in Ecuador and Argentina must choose who will lead them out of their crises. On Sunday, in the Argentine capital Buenos Aires, candidates debated over who is to blame for the current economic malaise. Leading the polls, the ultra-liberal candidate Javier Milei is proposing dollarization and cutting back the state. We propose to reform the state, drastically lower public spending, reduce taxes, simplify the tax system, thoroughly deregulate the economy, privatize to get rid of the harmful state enterprises, open up the economy and close the central bank. Argentine voters are being presented with starkly different options for the future. With poverty rising and annual inflation topping 120%, some Argentines are looking at radical options at the polls on October 22nd. (laughs) Economy Minister for the current administration and presidential candidate Sergio Massa apologized. I am clear that inflation is a huge problem in Argentina. I am also clear that the mistakes of this government hurt the people and for that Although I was not part of it until I took office as Minister of Economy, I apologize. Meanwhile, in the Ecuadorian capital, Quito, two candidates are in the final stretch of their campaigns. In Sunday's debate, leftist Luisa Gonzalez and center-right Daniel Laboa promised to crack down on organized crime and spiraling violence. I'm going to retake control of the country that has been taken away from us. We take control of the prisons, of the roads, of the public spaces, and above all, ports and airports, which I will militarize. However, they differed on how to fix the economy, which is forecast to grow 1.5% this year and 0.8% in 2024. On the economic side, we must be a competitive country. Today, Ecuador is not. We should have electricity at a lower cost, a lower cost for fuel, the development of infrastructure and irrigation for our small and large farmers without forgetting a tax system that encourages the generation of employment. Gonzalez, a lawyer and protege of former president Rafael Correa, will face Naboa, the scion of the country's richest family, in a runoff vote on October the 15th. That was Dan Collins on the upcoming general elections in Argentina and Ecuador. In Oceania, the Australian tourism industry says the decision by China to include Australia on its list of approved destinations is critical to the country's recovery from COVID-19. But there are concerns that the pandemic may have an impact on Australia's ability to handle an increase in international visitors. Greg Navarro has more. Odyssey Travel in Melbourne has weathered many challenges since it opened in 1997. The toughest for the company, which specializes in group tours from China and the industry here, was the pandemic. It's been, as a travel agent, there's a COVID impact. You know, it's tragic. Sort of, um, in this business, about, I think, 60% 
out of the business. They're not there anymore. In 2019, Australia was a popular destination for visitors from China who pumped more than two billion dollars into the country's economy. Chinese travelers are slowly coming back to Australia, led in part by the return of international students. Where am I? Australia. In an effort to speed up that return, Tourism Australia launched a global ad campaign in China earlier this year. But what's expected to have the biggest impact is last month's announcement that China has reinstated Australia with preferred destination status. That status allows Chinese visitors to travel to Australia in guided groups, which is historically the most valuable part of the market. There's a concern that when group tours do return here to Australia, there are some parts of the industry that won't be ready to accommodate them. Okay. Odyssey Travel went from a staff of about 50 people pre-pandemic to just a handful of workers today. We've lost our, most of our staff. We lost our coaches. We, we've sold our coaches, and when uh, everyone's ready to come, and we don't have capacity to cope with it, that's another. It's it's hard. Not all parts of the tourism industry here have been forced to cut back. The accommodation sector added about 20,000 new rooms in Melbourne and Sydney, banking on the return of international tourists led by Chinese visitors. That was Greg Navarro. Finally, in Asia, Malaysia has become one of the most popular destinations for Chinese tourists during the ongoing Mid Autumn Festival and National Day holiday. Ryan Melzer has more on how the Southeast Asian country is receiving Chinese visitors. Visitors from China who come for festivals such as the Mid Autumn Festival will see a lot that's very familiar to them. What with around a quarter of Malaysia's population being ethnic Chinese, but they'll also find distinctly local twists on traditions as well. It's known as the Mooncake or Lantern Festival here, and you'll see a lot of local ingredients such as durian or pandan being used in the mooncakes. Local styles of Making for lantern making as well. Now Malaysia would expect a huge influx at this time of year normally, but travel agents are telling me the numbers. Although there was a last-minute surge of interest, the numbers are still a bit disappointing. But it's not merely for China; it's for all international markets. Really, a number of reasons. Obviously, increased competition. A lot of airlines, including very important airlines for Malaysia like Air Asia, have not fully put all their flights back in the air yet. And Malaysia's government is estimating there'll be around 16 million visitors to the country this year, but that compares to 26 million in 2019, just before the pandemic. So Malaysia is obviously looking for ways to attract all tourists back, but especially from key markets such as China, which pre-pandemic made up the largest group of. Visitors from outside the Southeast Asian region. So just last week, the tourism minister said he would go to cabinet and propose that the government allow a visa waiver for China and other key markets. Probably India would be among them as well, or at least visa on arrival, making it easier for visitors to come here, like Thailand has just done. And certainly, Malaysia has taken these kinds of measures in the past on a short-term basis to try to woo back tourists. And tourism industry will be very much hoping this goes ahead, the visa waiver or visa on arrival. And that by the time that the Lunar New Year rolls around early next year, that the number of tourists from China will be back up to the levels they were before the pandemic, if not higher still. Ryan Mauser on Malaysia's appeal to Chinese tourists. And recapping today's headlines, former U.S. President Donald Trump has appeared in court in New York for the start of a civil fraud trial. Foreign ministers from European Union countries have met in Kiev to renew support for Ukraine, and Malaysia has become one of the most popular destinations for Chinese tourists 
during the ongoing Mid Autumn Festival and National Day holiday. And that's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thanks for listening.